have it. Thanks for watching my Christmas cookie tutorial. For more easy cookie decorating, please subscribe to my channel. awesome. Really? Yeah. You made this all by yourself? Oh, yeah. Where'd you learn how to do it? You made those all by yourself. <laughs> Dad, I was watching those YouTube oh, videos. I'm so yeah. good at decorating cookies. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Hey, we should go carry them. Wow, Merry Christmas, huh? <laughs> That's pretty incredible when you think about, hey, you don't want to miss the wrap-up next week. I'm not talking just about the sermon. The sermon's going to be great, but the conclusion to this is even better. Some of you were sitting there because you saw it last week. You saw this part last week, and you're kind of anticipating what's going to happen. And it's funny. I don't care who you are. It's still funny, right? Next week, it's going to remind so many of you of your own lives. So who needs Christmas? Uh, we, we, we figured out we all do. So hey, good morning. I want to welcome all of you at all of our churches as we are in week two of a three-week conversation. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I really would encourage you to go back and you can watch online or you can watch on our app or you can even and get the podcast to catch up the beginning of this conversation because this really is a series of three conversations that are taking us on a journey of discovering really who, and you could even say it this way, why we all need Christmas. Now, back in November, when uh, I was uh, finalizing the series, I received this text message. What's written on here was a text message that said something like this. I was in a conversation with a person and they said this back to me. They said, I hope one day I have confidence in God's love and provision. Don't miss that line. They said, I hope one day I have confidence in God's love and provision. For some reason, I insist on trying to take care of myself even though I'm incapable. And then they wrote this, it sounds like a wonderful place to live, knowing God willingly signed up to take care of me every day, forever. And it just made me stop and go, wow. How many people really don't own that yet? To live in that wonderful place knowing that God willingly signed up to take care of me every day, forever. And here's what I think. Because so many of us, we've heard the Christmas story, and, and the way that we've heard the Christmas story over the years, it can feel so very detached from our world, can it? Like for many of us, the way that we heard the Christmas story about Jesus' birth as a child, in some ways it can seem just like this inspirational fairy tale. And we can really miss how important and how big a deal it was for the Christmas experience to happen and for that story to be part of our life. But see, what we began to discover last week as we started this conversation, Who Needs Christmas, is that the events surrounding the birth of Jesus is so relevant 
and that, that the story is connected to our story, if you really stop and think about it. Because as we learned last week, the Christmas story, it doesn't start with this young couple over here trying to figure out where to have a baby. It starts with a promise of God that God made to Abraham like 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. And the promise is found in the very first writings in the Bible. It's found in the book called Genesis. And in this promise, God tells Abraham, he says, Abraham, through you, every nation, every single tribe, every single person in this world is going to be blessed. Now, when you stop and think about that God says, Abraham, through you, every individual in this world is going to be blessed. Man, that is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? I mean, that everybody in this world would be blessed. I mean, think about the fact that God would want to bless this world, every individual in this world, because like we marred his creation, we've all sinned against him, and God still wants good for every one of us. I mean, that is just so remarkable when you really stop and think about it. Like God comes along and even though man in rebellion to God, God says, hey, I'm going to make this extraordinary promise to you because God knew this, that everybody needs Christmas. And the reason, please understand this, the reason that everybody needed Christmas, and, and I pray you don't miss this because so many of us have missed this. It's, it's why I got that text that I got is because we need help to understand and feel how much God really loves us. I mean, think about it this way. Most of us really don't get how much God really, really loves us. In fact, let me try to explain it this way. If you're a parent, you get this to some degree. Like if you're a parent, you've had this thought or you've had this feeling if you're a good parent at all, right? Like, even if you just had one good parent, they had this thought or feeling, and it goes something like this, and I'm going to try not to get emotional about it, because I want my kids to know how much I love them. You know, you sit there as a parent, and your children are going through something difficult, or, or you're just trying to raise them and help them understand you want the best for them, and you, and you think something like this in your mind, I sure wish my kids understood how much I love them. You ever felt that way? Man, I just wish my kids cared how much I cared for them. One of my children is going through a really tough season in school right now, and, and he's just like, I've been, I just gave it away. He, um, there's some big, heavy tests coming up tomorrow, so all of y'all going to be praying for him, right? And so I've just been texting him every day, just, you know, here's a word from God. Um, And every day, like many of you as parents, I feel so inadequate to help my son understand how much I really love him. And I felt that for all the years of his life, all the years of all my daughter's lives. I mean, when I just think about my kids and I'm praying for them, and I do every day. It always just makes me break up like this. Because I just want them to know how much I love them. And every one of you as parents, grandparents, you, you feel the same way, don't you? Right? 
Like you, you sometimes, probably like me, you go, man, I just wish my kids would stop believing that I lay in bed at night trying to figure out ways to make their life so miserable, <laughs> right? Like, I just wish my kids could hear, like, when I ask them to do something or not do something, I wish they could hear that within the context of the fact that I really do have their best interests in mind, right? Because it's like, sometimes this is true for me as a parent. This is true for me as a pastor. It's like, I go, if people, if my, if my children, if the people of the church, I mean, if they just knew, you know, how I felt about them, how much I love you guys as a church, how much I love, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, it would change everything. Because as a parent, this is what you think, right? If my children knew how much I love them, they would trust me. Right? I mean, every parent, we've all had this conversation. And haven't we even tried to explain this to our kids? And what happens when you sit down and you try to explain this to your kids? Like their eyes just glaze over. And they just look at you. And then when you're, you know, about halfway done or more, they're looking at with you that, that look that goes, are you finished yet? You know, right? And then you're about done and you think you might have driven the point home somewhat. And they look at you and go, oh, by the way, dad, you got something in your teeth. <laughs> or dad, you should clean up that stuff in your eye. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, really? See, and we, and we go, they just don't get it. But we think as parents like, hey, if only they could see themselves the way that I see them. And you know, apparently God, your heavenly father he felt the same way. And I, I don't need to say apparently, I know he did. But I want you to think about the challenge. I mean, like think about the challenge that God has. I mean, it is a challenge enough when we are like eyeball to eyeball with our 13-year-old middle schooler or our 16-year-old high schooler trying to tell them how much we love and care about them. Or then we even get down on our knees and we try to talk to our nine-year-old or our, you know, our five-year-old and tell them how much we try to care or we care and love them. Like we want them to understand the depth of our love so that they can trust us and follow us and follow our lead so they can have a better life. So they can understand that mom and dad have their best interests in mind. And here's the question. Here's the big challenge for God. How do you do that if you're God? Like, how does God, who is a spirit, communicate to you and communicate to me how he feels about us? How does he tell us, his children, that he created? And he's a spirit, and we live in this material world. And the answer to how in the world God communicated how much he loved us is Christmas. See, he knew that he had to get up close and personal. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he understood this. And if you don't know who the Apostle Paul was, he, found, he founded a lot of the Christian churches all over the Roman Empire. And, and he eventually basically wrote most of the New Testament if you start looking at it. But that was not at the beginning of his life. I mean, when he started off, I mean, he was about rejecting Jesus. And he was all about rejecting the message of Christmas. But after Jesus came to him, and he experienced the love of God up close and personal. The apostle Paul, he realized that the whole Jewish scripture and all of the history of the nation of Israel, it was all part of God's plan leading up to this big reveal that would change the world forever. 
And he also realized that it would communicate. He goes, oh, this would communicate. And this is why God did this, to communicate the fullness of his love to all people for all times. In fact, here's how the Apostle Paul writes this. This is found in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He says, but when the set time, and last week we saw another passage that kind of set up the Christmas story about the set time. But he says, but when the set time had fully come. In other words, when God had everything exactly the way he wanted it. Like when God was ready, when God had enough history that had gone by, that God knew that he had the world's undivided attention or he could get the world's undivided attention, when the Roman Empire was expanding and it was exporting a language and a culture that was shared most by of most of the known world at that point in time, when there was all of a sudden there was this seaport system and there was this development of this highway system and there was peace in parts of the earth where there had never been peace and like when we talked about last week, when the Jewish temple system was falling apart and to them money was more important than morality and cleanliness was more important than compassion. See, when God got to that part of history, he did something. Notice what he did. When God, or when the set time had come, God sent his son. See, God understood that he needed to use more than words to communicate his love. Because see, God knew this about us. God understood that love must be shown to be known. God knew that. That love must be shown to be known. And we know that. In fact, haven't we all been in relationships with people who, who said they cared, but they really weren't there when we needed them? I mean, all of us, we, we think, well, words are cheap. We've all heard the statement, actions speak louder than you can finish it. Words. See, God demonstrated his love by taking action and not just any action would do. It had to be a demonstration that would be documented. See, it had to be a demonstration in history on planet Earth that could be recorded. It had to be so big and so impactful that it could be passed down for thousands of generations so that people like you and people like me, we would still know about it and there would still be a conversation about it. And imagine how hard that would be. I mean, like, think about, imagine all the things that have happened for the last 2,000 years. We can't even imagine that, can we? Now, imagine all the things that happened over the last 2,000 years that weren't even written down, that were never recorded, that just went away. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling when you stop and think about it, isn't it? Now, there were other things that were written down. A lot of things were written down by historians, but you can't name them. You can't give the dates for them. You don't even know about them. But think about it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is born. And now 2,000 now 2, years later, we are still talking about it. We are still t celebrating. See, the name of a Jewish baby boy in Bethlehem that was born 2,000 years ago is now like this household name today. 
So literally, when God got history to the place where God knew the story would not be forgotten and that there wasn't so much going on that it would just kind of slip through the cracks of history, that in some way it could happen so that the whole world would know that it happened, like it would be documented and it could be declared all over the known world then and in the future as well. Look back at what the Apostle Paul says. But when that time had come, God sent his son. Now, this phrase right here, it raises an even more important question, and that is this. Why did God have to send somebody? Like, why did God have to send a son? Like, why, why did God have to cram himself into a body? <laughs> Imagine that. Like, why didn't God just send another messenger? Why, why didn't he send just another prophet? Why, why didn't he just send another king? But it even gets more complicated than that. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So now the question is not just why God in a body, but why God in a baby's body? And, and why show up on this world like all the rest of us as one of us? And, and then also, why, why was he not? I mean, he's God. Why wasn't he just a law to himself? But he comes into this world as a baby under the law. And he doesn't walk onto the pages of history when he comes to this world and say, okay, I'm God. Now that I'm here, everything's different. No, no. He was born under the law. He was born accountable to the law. And then the apostle Paul, he tells us this as, as he's looking back. And I think he's seeing everything differently than he saw it or understood it when he was taught as a, as a Jewish child. He says, now I realize what's going on here. He said, God sent his son born of a woman under the law too. Why, why did God send Jesus? He sent him to do something. It was to do what the law and the regulations that were prior to this could not do. It was to do what the judges and the prophets that were prior to this could not do. It was to do what the exile and the punishment that God allowed the nation of Israel to experience as they were disobedient to him to do what it could not do. It was to do what every sacred text could not accomplish to that point in time. So what did Jesus send God to do? He sent him to redeem, that's one thing, to redeem those under the law, that would be all of us, that we might receive adoption, don't miss this, to sonship. It was all about a relationship. Don't miss what the Apostle Paul is saying. You might want to write this down. See, God wanted our relationship to be personal, so God had to come in person. Think about it. How could we know where we stood with God if God had not come to stand with us? See, what God understood is another messenger couldn't get it done. Another letter couldn't get it done. Another prophet wouldn't get it done. Another miracle wouldn't get it done. So just at the right time, God staged this amazing demonstration 
He placed himself in a body and he came to this earth in the form of a baby because God knows and we know that actions speak so much louder than words, even words written on a page. Don't forget this. Love must be shown to be known, which is why God wanted to do something so personal. So God had to come in person in order to get it done, though there had to be Christmas. There had to be that moment in time. And then the apostle Paul, he comes along later and he even says, it just makes it even better. He says this in Romans chapter five. He says, but God, and here's our word, demonstrated. That's so powerful, isn't it? You wanna know how much God loved you? He goes, but God demonstrated. Literally, he showed us, he acted out. He didn't just tell us, God demonstrated. And what does he demonstrate? God demonstrated his own love for us. And I want all of us on every campus to read this out loud. Everybody participate. And I want you to change this word from us to me. When we get there, okay? Everybody ready? Blunt sound, Chipley. Everybody ready? But God demonstrated his own love for me in this. Well, what's this? Well, this is that thing that the prophets hinted about. This was a thing that was foretold many years ago. This was a thing that the sacred text foreshadowed. This was a thing that in Jesus, God demonstrated for the entire world, but make it personal that God demonstrated for you and for me. What is this? While we were still sinners, Christ died for me. Now I'm telling you, this is an amazing statement when you think about it, and here's why. See, I think when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, I, I think at this moment, it hit him. It dawned on him. This is a personal thing. I mean, the Apostle Paul goes, like, while we were still sinners, and he's writing this going, oh, yeah, I'm part of everybody, but this is personal for me. While I was still sinning, while I was still resisting God, before I even knew God had sent his son into the world, before I knew that Christ had died for me. I mean, I'm telling you, this had to be so overwhelming for the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who had this personal mission to get rid of the church, to arrest Christians, to put Christians to death, that was his mission. And he's thinking, wow, God knew what I would do. God knew my passion. God knew that I would be like this one-man wrecking machine when it came to arresting Christians and persecuting Christians and stoning Christians and putting Christians to death. Like God knew what I was going to do. And he goes, while I was still a sinner, while that was still in my heart, Christ died for me. And he uses the word us there to remind all of us that with Jesus' birth and death, he was demonstrating not only did he love the Apostle Paul, but how much his love was for all of us. It's huge. 
huge. Sounds like a wonderful place to live. Knowing God willingly signed up to take care of me every day. Wow. But wouldn't that be incredible? To know how much God loved you. Because life is complicated. And sometimes we need a lot of extra feeling of love, don't we? Paul says, he demonstrated his love for you. That's what Christmas is about. But that brings us to another question. And maybe this is a question that you ask. And maybe you weren't even sure that you could ask this question out loud. In fact, if you've been a Christian maybe for a long time, if, if someone that would ask you this question, maybe you would say, I don't really know. Or maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe the reason you're not a Christian is because nobody's really ever answered this question for you. But here's a bigger question. Why, why did Jesus have to die? Like, why in the world did Jesus have to die? I mean, it's kind of confusing enough if you stop and think about it, God cramming himself in a baby's body. But then why would he have to die? Like, why such this violent public demonstration? Like, why all the blood and the gore and the crown of thorns? Like, why was he beaten? Like, why did he have to be put to death publicly? Like, why didn't Jesus just like do this, another sermon, like another sermon on the mount and just stand up on the mount and go, hey, everybody, listen, everybody's forgiven. Just, just want you to know that. Like all of your sins are forgiven. You, you can have eternal life. Like you can go to heaven when you die. So here's the deal. Everybody, you just go out and you spread this message. Everybody is forgiven. Like, why didn't Jesus just do that? Listen. The reason that Jesus had to come in a baby body, the reason God sent his son into this world to grow up among all of us as one of us, the reason he did that, the reason he had to die such a violent death was one, as we said, for it to be documented to the point that we're still talking about this today. And here's the other one, and don't miss this. This is so important. God is the author of, of life, which means God is the author of your life and God is the author of my life. And here's what this means for us. While we were still sinners, when we decided, while we were still deciding to have our own insurrection against God, to be in our own rebellion against God, to dishonor God with our life. And here's the thing, when you dishonor God, you dishonor the source of your life. And when you dishonor the source of your life, you deserve to forfeit your life. In other words, you owe and I owe, we owe God our life every single day of my life, every single day of your life. We should get up and say, God, thank you for my life. Like how in the world could I say no to the God who gave me life? How in the world could I shake my fist in God's face and say, I'm going to do my own thing. How could I resist the God who gave me life? And yet every day we do that, don't we? 
And what's so crazy about all this is you didn't choose the day that you were born and and you're not going to choose the day that you leave this planet. But somehow within those miraculous bookends of the gift of life, we create our own insurrections and rebellions and we shake our fist at God and we say, I'm going to do what I want to do in this situation. I'm going to do what I want to do in this season. What the Apostle Paul is realizing here, while we were still sinners, he's going, oh, we deserve to lose the greatest gift of God, the gift of life. Like we owe a debt to the giver of life that we could never, ever pay. He says, but you don't miss this. But God, even though we owe that kind of debt, God demonstrated his love in, a, in, in that while we were still sinners, what did Christ do? Christ died in our place. Christ died for us. Because see, God knew this, and don't miss this. You cannot demonstrate love without personal sacrifice. We have so missed this in our culture. But God didn't. Because see, loving others is about putting what's best for somebody else above what's best for me, even if that person doesn't deserve it. And you know what? Jesus' death, it demonstrated the magnitude of our ingratitude, the severity of our offense against him. But what's even more than that? His death demonstrated the magnitude of his love. So who needs Christmas? It's those of us who struggle to get out of bed every morning because we don't know if anybody really loves or cares about us. Who, who needs Christmas? It's those of us that are looking around for a friend or a place to belong because we don't know if we're lovable. Who needs Christmas? It's those of us that have this hidden secret sin or addiction and we're afraid that if anybody ever found out, they would not love us anymore. So who needs Christmas? Every one of us. You know why? Because every one of us, we need to feel God's incredible love. Now, here's what makes Christmas such a big deal and why it's such an important celebration for us. Because whenever we celebrate Christmas, it's this reminder that we can know, not just hope, but we can know that God loves us, that God is with us, that God is for us. And and we can know because God sent his son to demonstrate his incredible love for us. He gave us Christmas. In fact, here's how it happened. Like when the time had fully come, when everybody had given up hope, when nobody was looking for it anymore, there was this Jewish carpenter. He discovered that his fiance was pregnant and he's trying to figure out what to do. He's like, what in the world do I do with this? What in the world do I do with her? And the angel of the Lord came and he spoke to this bewildered Jewish carpenter. And this is what he tells him. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home with, as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their 
sins. And Joseph had no idea the price that it would require of his son to do that. But the angel goes on. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And this is so beautiful, this next part. It becomes so personal here, which means God with us. Who needs Christmas? Every one of us who need God with us every day. See, God demonstrated. God came in person. God sacrificed. So the world would know because he knew this. We need to see it, to really believe it, to know it in our heart. So why don't you ask yourself this question this morning? Do you really believe that God loved you that much? Do you believe that God loves you and that he sent his son to die just for you? I mean, I'm telling you folks, that's a question that needs to be thought through through all of us. Because this text that I got, it came from a person who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ, and they really do. But that certainty of knowing God's love. See, the whole reason we have Christmas, the whole point was for God to show his love. It's so that the world would believe. They absolutely believe in God's love. Because of what God did through Jesus Christ and by believing, man, we can have a better life through the author of life. In fact, John, who knew Jesus personally, he summed it up when he wrote this very familiar verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will be given the life they don't deserve. And this little phrase right here, believes in him, it just really means, it means to trust. And you know, trust isn't a magical world. There's not like the spiritual version of trust and the secular version of trust. Like there's nothing mystical or magical about this whole trusting thing. See, like trusting in God and trusting in Jesus, it's just like you trusting in anything else. It's kind of like, just like I'm trusting right now the stool with all of my weight. And to follow Jesus and to live in his love, it is to simply say this, God, I believe that Jesus was your son and that you sent him into this world to die for my sin. And I'm placing all of my weight on his death to be the sin payment for my life. Like I'm placing all of my trust in the fact that his death on the cross paid the price for all of my sin, all my past sin, all my present sin, and all of my future sin. And according to what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 that we just looked at this morning, and according to what Jesus says in that moment, don't miss this, you become a child of God. You are adopted into God's family because you have the opportunity to receive freely what God has offered you freely. A father-child relationship. Something that you could never manufacture on your own. You know why there was Christmas? Because see, it was God's way 
of coming to this earth and getting down on his knees and looking eye to eye with you and trying to help you understand how much he loves you. And for too many of us, we just kind of glaze over in that conversation. But we're really praying this Christmas season, you won't glaze over again. In fact, for some of you, man, if there's never been a time in your life where you believed in him, you put your trust in him, if, if like the day's the first day that you go, oh, wow, I can trust God because he really loves me, or maybe you had parents who told you they loved you, but they weren't good parents and they weren't trustworthy. But today you're going, oh, I can trust God no matter what. And maybe today you understand that God sent his son born in a baby's body to die for you, to pay the price for all of your sin, and you can live in the confidence of knowing that he is going to love you when nobody else maybe, or it feels like nobody else does, and he's going to care for you when it feels like nobody else does. I want to invite you at all of our churches today to pray a prayer. And just to express this fact that today, God, um, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you for the very first time, and I'm going to place my trust in you. I'm going to transfer my trust from my goodness and the good things that I do to what God through Jesus Christ has done for me by coming to this earth in a baby's body and then living and growing up and dying and paying the price for all my sin. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for this incredible moment that we all get to pause and feel your hand on our shoulder and see the compassion in your face. And experience the tender love of a father. And hear him say, I, I love you. I care about you. So much so that I came here so you would understand that. And I died so that you wouldn't have to pay a sin debt that you could never pay. I love you that much. And God, for those who have said, God, I trust you. I pray that today will be the day that they not only choose to trust you, but they'll know your love. They'll hear your love. They'll experience it at a whole nother level. And then they'll live in it through this Christmas. And Father, for those men and women and students who or today is their first time of really understanding God loves me. May this be their prayer. May it be your prayer right now, wherever you sit, any of our churches. Just say, God, today I choose to believe. I believe that you love me. I believe that you care about me. I believe that you want to take care of me for the rest of my life. And I, life is so complicated, but God, thank you for coming 
and saying that you'll be with me. I can be your child and you'll walk with me through the process. So today I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and my rebellion against you and ask you to come in my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I'm choosing to follow you from this day forward. Thank you, God, for this incredible free gift that you give us when we ask. The gift of adoption into sonship. That we're now your child. God, for every person who's prayed that prayer this morning, I just ask that your Holy Spirit presence will just show up in a real way in their lives. And may they experience your love throughout this week in incredible ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you just made that prayer personal, um, I really would like for you to stop by the gallery, let us know it, or you can even let us know on that connection card next week or talk to one of our staff. We would love to help you on that journey. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us. Don't forget, stop by and pick up your cupcakes on your way out. Just a reminder, hey, it's Christmas, right? As the angels start their whisper.